hope I was going to make it out here tonight. You ever notice that we live in a day and time where everybody is offended about something? Literally. You can't say hello to somebody without offending them today. We are the society of the thin-skinned, and it seems like things are only getting worse. The day of personal beliefs are gone unless, unless you believe like I believe. Can't preach with shoes on. Unless you see the world like I see the world, you're wrong. I mean, people are offended by who other people choose to love. Like it affects you in any way. People are offended by who you vote for. People are offended by how you dress. People are offended by the words that you use. I said it earlier, but people are offended by how you say hello to them. People get offended over sports. We live in a day and time where people are just looking for reasons to be offended. And I've learned that if you're looking for a reason to be offended, you'll find it every single solitary time. And I think what's the craziest thing to me is, especially on social media, it seems like those that are offended the easiest are those who call themselves Christians. Have you ever noticed that? Now, notice I didn't say those that are Christians. I said those that call themselves Christians. Those that probably have not darkened the door of a church in 10 years, haven't picked up a Bible in 20 years, couldn't tell you any verse in the Bible besides John 3.16, But by God, they'll get on their high horse and be offended about everything. Anything. And what's funny is, it's almost like, what is the flavor of the week that they're offended about? Because very rarely is it new things that they're offended about. It's things that have been around forever. A few months ago, it was drag shows. Every Christian was offended over drag shows. Some of you were offended over drag shows. But drag shows have been around forever. Now you're saying they're right. I'm not saying either way. I'm just simply saying what ignites it where all of a sudden we're offended about it. Let me let you know a little secret. 17 years ago, I moved to Canton. I had been here three weeks. Three weeks. I went to two, two, and only two in 17 years. Ministerial meetings. I don't even know if there still is a ministerial meeting. 17 years ago, Canton, Georgia, was not the Canton, Georgia it is today. You think it's conservative today? It was conservative 17 years ago. I started, and I don't mean that like an arrogant, like, oh, I started, but I started the first probably contemporary church in the county 17 years ago. That wasn't on every street corner like it is today. So I said that to say this. We had a bunch of very staunch, conservative pastors. And guess what they were doing to raise money for breast cancer at the first ministerial meeting I went to and I participated in along with other pastors? 
a drag show where we as pastors dressed up at a breast cancer awareness walk. Isn't it funny back then everybody laughed about it? Everybody thought it was good humor. I came in second place, by the way, mark that down. I think the voting was biased. I was new to the community and people didn't know me because I should have won. I have great legs and a great ass and did not have a belly then. But nobody was offended. It was fun. You said, you think it's funny? Again, I'm not getting into the nuances of it. I'm simply saying it's funny what we get offended about today that didn't offend us then. It's funny to me watching people get offended about, like literally, I watched people be offended this week. Because Morgan Wallen dropped a new country CD. And it's not country. The same crowd, though, that listened to groups back in the 80s, that at that time, the group before them said wasn't country. Isn't that funny? I went back and did a Google search. Anybody remember the band Alabama? How many of you would say, Alabama, that is country music? Yeah, me too. Did you know when Alabama came out, they were criticized like crazy? by the country music fans for not being country. One of the guys had long hair. I saw a review. I went and found it in Rolling Stone magazine. And it said, country music is not about harmonies, and that's all Alabama's about. Ain't that funny, though? But back then, it was different. Now the crowd that was into Alabama and fighting because it wasn't country doesn't like today's country. We just look for reasons to be offended because we're miserable. That's really what it boils down to. The day of personal opinion is no longer respected. The day of no longer or of agreeing to disagree no longer exists, and for some reason the Christians are the worst about it. I, I don't know why we think that. I don't know that if it's Christians, we think it's our job to be offended. That God calls us to be followers of Him to point out sin, to gripe about culture, come out from among them and be ye separate. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we wear it with the badge of honor that we're to be contrary to society, that we're right and everyone else is wrong, but we just think we should get mad all the time about what we think is wrong. Or we should get mad even about what is wrong. Now, don't get me wrong, and I'm going to talk about that. There are some things that as Christ's followers, we ought to stand against. But you're never going to win anybody to Jesus by being angry. You're not going to win anyone to Jesus by being mad. In all honesty, and maybe, maybe you're right and maybe you have, I don't know. But has anybody ever convinced anybody they were right in whatever argument by arguing with them on social media? Anybody? Anybody had any luck? Anybody going once, going twice? Nobody. Not one person. Amazing how that works. Yeah, we'll go to war with people. We'll fight over people. We will attack people, and that's the problem. We don't attack views, we attack people. Offended by everything. I want to start a new series today called No Offense, and I want to talk about just how weak we've become as Christ followers. How thin-skinned we've become as Christ followers. I want to talk about how we've taken offense and turned it into anger. And in the process of becoming angry, we've turned people from Christ. We should take offense to things that are contrary to the Word of God. But we should be adult enough to handle it in a biblical way. 
I read a book recently, and the author in the book said, almost the audacity to say, that you can become unoffendable. That offended me. You have the nerve to tell me I can become unoffendable? You don't know the crazy people that I deal with in my life. How is this possible? Everywhere I go, everything I do, they're loud, they're opinionated. Often they're criticizing me. And he's telling me I can become unoffendable? He offended me in the process. I like to brag that I'm not easy to offend. I like to brag that I have really tough skin. And I do think I have tough skin. I deal with critics pretty well. But I like to say I'm not easily offended, but then I stay offended all the time. You come after Christine, I get offended. You come after my children, I get offended. One of my friends betrayed me, I get offended. Criticize my sermon, I get offended. Don't like my outfit, I, I get offended. I recently got offices in downtown Canton, and I heard some grumblings and rumblings about me being back downtown. And I was offended. As I was putting this sermon together, I was thinking about, man, this is going to be an easy series for me because I'm the guy who doesn't get offended. I realized that I'm actually offended a lot. And I don't always respond to those offenses in a godly way. Some of you during this series will become offended. Today, some of you will be offended. Let me make this clear. If you are offended by today's message, do not take it up with me. Take it up with God. I will back everything that I give you today biblically. So if you don't like it, I didn't write the book. Today, I want to talk to you very simply. I want to lay a foundation. And I want to talk to you on this subject. Just stop being offended. I've learned over and over and over that being offended is a choice. This is not going to be a normal series for us. It's not going to be a lot of laughing, a lot of hooping, a lot of hollering, a lot of personal stories, a lot of me cracking jokes. But I believe it's a series that needs to be taught because as a society, we're getting further and further divided, not because of our views. Do not miss this but because we don't know how to handle differing views. Social media has made everybody Billy Bad A. And behind the keyboard, we're awesome. But face to face, we don't say anything. I've got a guy in town who loves to talk trash about me all the time, except when he's in front of me. He doesn't know that I know that he talks trash about me. So I go out of my way when I see him in public to talk to him to see if he'll talk trash to my face, and he won't. And I think to myself, why do I let this guy get me offended? He's a keyboard warrior. But we do. We allow it. We allow anger to set up. We allow anger to dictate how we go about things. So I just want to introduce the series today. I'm going to give you some pointers on a foundational issue, and we're going to get real, real deep over the coming weeks about this. Because I believe it is hindering the kingdom of God. The Bible says in James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. I like that. The Bible says a lot of things, but in very rarely places say, hey, I need you to mark this down. What I'm about to tell you is so important, I need you to take note of what I'm about to tell you. James is like, I'm about to write you a whole letter, but I need you to take note of the next part I'm about to tell you. It's that vital. He, he pulled a Gary. If you don't hear anything else I say in this letter, I need you to hear this. He said, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to what? Quick to what? You can do better than that, white folks. Quick to what? Slow to, quick to what? 
slow to what? And slow to become, holy crap, we have dropped the ball. We have missed the assignment. Dare I say, we suck at this verse. Notice I didn't say you suck at it. I said we (laughs) suck at it. Not just we action church, we as humans. We almost do the opposite of this verse. So it's funny to me when everyone gets on a rampage about their hobby horse issues, even though they don't go to church and they start pulling out scripture to fight the arguments, but they ignore this because that's the problem. We treat the Bible like it's a buffet. How many, and like, let's just be honest. I know some of you are food snobs and you, man, it's not the best food, but how many just like every once in a while, you just want a good buffet? Like, Christine is not, Christine might be the only human I know that just doesn't want a buffet. But she's weird when it comes to food. She's one of those people that eats to live instead of being like me, I live to eat. Like, she would go forever without not eating, but she knows she needs to eat. Like, every once in a while, I just need the golden crow. It's not good food. It's not high-quality food. It's not even average food. But, John, you'll understand, it's all you can eat food. So if I'm going to eat a bad steak, I won't eat seven of them. If I'm going to eat frozen macaroni and cheese, then I want to be able to eat three platefuls of it. If I want to take my fried chicken and go to the chocolate fountain and cover my fried chicken in chocolate, I want that right every now and again. But here's the funny thing about a buffet. When I go to the buffet, I only eat what I want to eat. Basically, here's my philosophy. If it's green, I don't eat it. And I don't mean green mold. I mean like green beans. No, bad for you. Broccoli? Nope. Salad? Nope, I'm not a rabbit. When Christine makes those things, I feel obligated to eat them. She's went in there and she's cooked and she's made meat and she's made vegetables. And there's only two of them. And I'm like, I ain't got much choice. I'm going to eat this and I'm going to smile and I'm going to act like I like it. But a buffet, I got choice. Pick and choose what I want to eat. I got a method to the madness. I go steak first, boom. Nothing else but steak. Then I go back and I go fried chicken and macaroni and cheese. Then I go back and do steak, fried chicken, and mashed potatoes with brown gravy, and that's all I eat. I don't eat nothing else until dessert time. That's the Gary method of the buffet. I skip everything else because I don't want it. Say, what's the point of that? The point of that is how many of y'all do the Bible. You choose to camp out on your hobby horse issue that matters to you, knowing good and damn well you ain't listening to anything else the Bible says. Especially James 1.19. Take note, he said. Be quick to what? Slow to what? Slow to what? Man, we're so fast to become angry. We're so slow to listen. My wife tells me when we're having intense conversations, I need you to listen to hear me, but you're listening to respond. We're, we're slow to, we're quick to our anger. We're quick to spouting back off, but we're, we need to be slow to listen. We're quick to listen. We don't hear the heart behind what's being said or the heart was being done, and so then we respond fast. It never goes well. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It's amazing to me as you watch the life of Jesus. He lived this way. This is how he responded to people. I went this week and did a Google search, and I began to ask How many questions 
was Jesus asked directly in the gospel? How many times did people walk up to him and ask him a question? How many of you think it was under 100 times? um, Under 125 times. Under 150. 183. Jesus was asked 183 different questions in the gospel. He responded to those 183 questions with a direct answer. Don't miss this. Three times. Three times. Meaning someone asked him a question, and he gave an answer. Meaning he heard the question and was quick to listen and quick to speak three times. From those 183 questions, Jesus responded, don't miss this, with 307 questions. Say, what do you mean? What I mean is, is when people asked him questions because they were always trying to trip him up, most of the questions were, were traps for him. He responded back with questions to understand their heart. To understand what they were really trying to get at. He responded back with questions to make sure he knew where they were and where many times his questions back to them gave them the answer that they were asking to begin with. It would have been easy for Jesus to get an attitude and respond fast and try to put people in their place or to get angry, but he, but he loved people. Instead of getting offended by them trying to trip him up, he began to put himself in other people's shoes and began to ask him questions. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You know why we're fast to anger? Because we get offended. You know why we get offended? Because we're looking to be offended. I think anger has kind of evolved in our time. A few years ago, little things used to annoy me. You know what I'm about little things? Like I hate the guy who's in the public and he's talking on his phone while it's on speakerphone. It's a little thing used to annoy me. Someone pulls out in front of me in traffic. That annoyed me back in the day. Someone cuts me off on 20 every single day of my life as I go home. My flesh wants to pray hemorrhoids over them. Someone doesn't respond. Oh, this, my, this used to be my pet peeve. Someone wouldn't respond quickly to my text. Many of you say, yes, that's our irritation with you, Gary. Especially, you know what really used to irritate me? When I would text somebody... And then I would see the dots, like they were about to respond. You know what I'm talking about? Dots, 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 you know. And then the dots would go away. And they wouldn't respond. I'd get so irritated about it. When me and Christine first got married, I'd call her and she wouldn't answer. Because God forbid she had to work, had a life, or had kids, or was on the phone with someone else. I'd be like, why do I even pay for you to have a cell phone? You don't even answer. What if I'm dead? She used to irritate you. If you're dead, you wouldn't be calling. What if I'm close to death? The last thing I wanted out of my mouth was for you to hear the words, I love you. You won't answer. Little things used to, to get me mad, and there was different levels of it. Like a level one offense, you know what I'm saying? Like a level one offense is when you're at the movies and someone's talking at the movies. Level two offense would be like when they're at the movies and they're talking to the movies. Anybody ever seen that? Like, I hate that. It's like a level two offense to me. Level three offense is like when they're in the movies and they receive a phone call and answer it. But then there's level four offense. That's when they're in the movies and they have the nerve to pull out their phone and call somebody. So it used to be little things like that because in the grand scheme of things, even those things aren't big. But now I find myself getting more and more angry. To be real honest with you, I think I've grown past it in about the last year, but I used to get 
really angry about two years ago. Mask or no mask? Like mad, furious, angry, burn bridges over it. Vaccine or not vaccine? Now, I, I love freedom, and you're not going to tell me what to do. But then I got to the root of the issue, and I was like, man, no one's going to tell me what to do. And then I realized, you know what, I don't have to do this. I'm not doing it. Now I'm getting mad at people that are doing it, even though it doesn't affect me. And then I would justify it. Well, I love them. And I don't want anything bad to happen to them. No, I was just looking to be offended. Some of you are guilty of it. Let me tell you what all made me laugh. And this is, I, some of you, actually, I'm going to tell you how offensive this issue was that some of you might not ever come out of this church. No, I'm serious. I'm not even being funny right now. I'm not even setting you up for one of my things. I'm not being serious. The anger in which some of you got over someone choosing to kneel over the national anthem was amazing to me. Now let me make this very clear to you. I don't respect anybody that kneels for the national anthem. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's a slap in the face to every serviceman who fought for this country. But guess what? It's their choice. It's the great thing about this country. The people who fought for that flag Fault for them to have. See, freedom is not just freedom when you want it to be freedom. And you say, you're saying we shouldn't get this. I said, you should have opinions on it. Who cares? But literally some of you got so enraged over it. That was mind-boggling. Because in the end of the day, it doesn't affect your life. Nobody kneeling or not kneeling ever affected my day-to-day. They never affected the roof over my head or the food on my table. Just look to be offended. Just look for reasons to be offended. And I'm going to say this to you. You ain't going to like this. At the end of the day, you showed your true colors because it didn't matter what they did, you were offended by it. When they rioted, you didn't like it. They ought to do it peaceful. They kneeled in protest during the national anthem. Even if you didn't agree with why they kneeled, they did it peaceful and that wasn't good enough. You're just looking to be offended. I didn't expect a lot of amens today. And that's okay. So the question becomes, were you really offended or do you just want to bitch about something? Is your life so miserable that you're looking for reasons to be offended? Because some of you, back in the 60s when you were protesting stuff, you sure did believe in your cause, even though others didn't. Mm. It's going to be good. But anger's kind of escalated in our culture. I think we have more access to spew our point of view. We think everyone ought to believe like we believe. So many issues out there, yet we choose to get offended by the issue that we just don't like. But then on top of that, then we get offended by people who aren't offended by the same issues that we're offended at. We getting a little too real today? We have family members in our family that literally have nothing to do with us. Literally. Have nothing to do with us because their views were different than my views, though I never imposed my views on them. How did my views affect them? How did their views affect me? They didn't. They could wear 25 masks in my house. Guess what? It didn't affect me. But we get offended by it. We get offended by stuff that simply doesn't matter, and I don't think it's pleasing to God. Because our offense becomes anger. 
I think there's some people, though, I've learned this. It's hard to admit. And I think I was this person even a few years ago. I think we just like to be angry. We don't know how to be happy. I used to be the guy that if there was no chaos in my life, I had to create chaos. I didn't know how to funk. No, I still am not that person. Trust me. You, you get Gary Lamb light. He's the light version. The 46-year-old version. The old man version. Like, anger's exhausting. Like, anger is exhausting. But we've allowed our offense to become anger. We become angry about things. We, we find people who are angry about the same issue and we feed off. We join a Facebook group with them. Now we have 173 people that are mad about the same issue. And we feed off each other. It's funny, during those times, I had my beliefs, which, by the way, have not changed, just in case anyone wonders. I'm as staunch about freedom today as I ever was. We shut this church down, I think, what, three weeks? Let me make this clear. We'll never shut this church down again, ever. I still have to say this, but I don't get angry with others do. If we choose not to shut down for a reason, and you choose that reason for you not coming because you don't feel safe at whatever the issue is that time, I'm not going to get angry at you over that. I did in the past. I became an unlikable person. You ever get to the point where you don't even like yourself? Like, I didn't like myself. Everywhere I went, burned a lot of bridges along the way. Burned a lot of bridges with a lot of good people simply because they had issues that were different than mine. Or beliefs that were different than mine. Burned a lot of bridges over people who voted. Yeah, but Gary, it's affected our country. At the end of the day, let me make this clear to you. As an American, I am so glad I get to vote. But as a Christ follower, I don't answer to any man. I answer to God. I don't care who's in D.C. We answer to God. God's in control. I've never depended on a man to put food on my table and a roof over my head and protect my family, and I will not start now. Either God is God or he is not God. God is in control. Even when we don't understand what God's doing, God's in control. He's God. And either he's God or he's not God. Now, again, as an American, I get to go vote, and I will take that very seriously and do that. But at the end of the day, I trust God. We get angry. And you know what I was thinking about? I thought a lot about this this week. I was in the car a lot this week. And I asked myself, why do we get so angry about these issues? And I wrote this down. I don't know if it's true. I put, we're angry because in a way it's kind of fun because it makes us feel morally superior. Because we believe we're right and everyone else is wrong. I like being right. Feeds my ego. I'm getting better at it. But I'm the king, Christine, don't you, amen? Of I told you so. Told you that was going to happen. Now, I don't bring up the times that I was wrong <laughs> and told you this was going to happen if something else happened. I'm going to bring up the times I was right. See, I think we get angry. We like being angry because it feeds our ego because we think we're morally superior than other people because we're right and they're wrong. And I don't think that kind of attitude is pleasing to God. 
I want to ask you this question today. If you were to be honest, how effective is your anger in the things that you're offended about? Like, literally, how's it going for you? If you're easily offended and angered over things, is it working? Is your anger over things that are offending you, oh, this is good, making you more like Jesus? Is your anger pointing others to a life of freedom that is found in Christ? Or is it turning them away from it? How effective is your anger? Is your anger making you more loving? It's okay to be offended. It's not okay to be angry in your offense. But Gary, mine's righteous anger. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You convince yourself whatever you want to convince yourself. The bottom line is you're just angry. You're miserable in life, and you're looking for something to be angry about. You're looking for something to fight about. How's it working out for you? Look what the Bible says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Check it out. Because, here's why you should do this. Because anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I hate the Bible sometimes. Like if I was God, or God said, Gary, you can mark some things out. This would be one of the things I'd mark out. I want to get angry. You might find this surprising. I'm pretty quick-witted with my mouth. I like being fast to speak. Because normally I can put someone in their place pretty quick. I've been known to make grown men cry in arguments. So I kind of like it. Because it makes me feel superior. Which is a healthy but I'm just being honest. So there's nothing Christ-like about my anger. It doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. God desires a way for you. God desires a method for you. Gary, I'm angry over sin. And you might be. You might be angry over sin. But is your anger drawing people in sin to Christ, or is it pushing them away? And then I love the stupid argument they say, well, they don't want to hear the truth anyway. The Bible says the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. So, the Son of Man is Jesus. What is Jesus? Jesus is love. So when you respond in love, you have a better chance of drawing people to God than pushing them away. As Christ followers, we should hate sin. We should not glorify sin. We should not explain sin away. But we should learn how to respond to sin. We respond to offense with anger, and it does no good. And then the problem is we pick and choose. We pick and choose. Not a lot of talk in the church house about gluttony. The Bible talks about it. We pick and choose. We pick our hobby horse issues. We pick up the issues that seem to be catching on and we make a big deal about it. Back to the issue, I'm using that as an example, the drag queen thing. I love when everybody posts the pictures of the kids and the drag queens are in front of them. This ought to stop. Maybe. Or maybe the one child you see in that picture shouldn't be the issue. Maybe the issue is the 30 adults that's allowing their child to be in that situation should be the issue. Maybe we don't have a drag queen issue, we got a parenting issue, but that would have to be self-reflection and we don't want to do that. Just saying. 
Like it or not, drag queens, and I don't know why I'm on that hobby horse today, but go back to the beginning of time. Actors would roll into town and men would dress like women and play parts. It's not the demise of society. Parents not being parents might end up being the demise of society. The Bible says, tramp a child in the way that you go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. We have undervalued the value of parenting. We've undervalued. I'll get to it. Because you really ain't going to like this. I just think it's funny. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I think it's funny when we get offended that a world that has no relationship with Christ lives like they don't have a relationship with Christ. How else would they live? Christ changed us. We would be in those same boats. Pack that up. Christ changed us, and many times we're still in those same boats. So how do we respond? What's the most important thing? Is the most important thing you proving to somebody you're right even though you're getting angry about it and your anger's not proving him right, or what's the most important thing? Well, here's what it is, Matthew 23. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. First and greatest commandment. Second is this, love your neighbor yourself. You know, nowhere is there a command in the Bible to be right. Let me repeat that. That should have been an amen, even for all you that are bowed up today and offended. Nowhere in the Word of God is there a command to us as Christ followers to be right. But there is the command over and over and over and over and over again to love. And to love means we love those that we don't always agree with. It means that we love those who don't look like us, that don't act like us, that don't believe like us. It's easy to love those that are like us, and that's the problem with the church because the church has become the most segregated place on Sunday morning. So we show up and everyone looks like us and acts like us and is about the same age as us, and the same social standing as us. Man, we all get along because, man, we're segregated. What do you do when you have to love someone who doesn't love like us? Doesn't act like we think they ought to act. What's important is not being right. What's important is loving everything that is in you, with every bit of fiber that is in you. See, the problem is we have mistaken love with acceptance. I can love you and not accept the choices you make. And that doesn't just fall into play people we completely disagree with. It, it falls in the closest relationship, a marriage relationship. Christine does not like everything I do. I do not like everything she does. I don't accept it. We still love it. I don't, I don't like the choices my kids always make. But I love my kids. I've never understood parents that are like, if my kid does this, this, and this, I'll disown them. What? Nothing my kids could ever make me do that would make me disown them. I love them no matter what, even if I don't approve of their decisions. The older they get, the less I approve of their decisions. Actually, I find out that the more I disapprove of their decisions, the more I love them. Because it challenges my love, and I want to love them no matter what unconditionally. We're to love God. We're to glorify God in our actions. We're to love him in what we do. And then we're to love others in the same way. Jesus never told us to be right. But he said, I want you to be loving. Some of you are more concerned with being right. You got your priorities wrong. And in you being right, you're pushing people away. God's been working on me in this. It's been a hard road. I would say it goes back even 10 years of me always having to be right. Me putting up walls of people and cutting them out of my life because I didn't agree with everything they did. And over time, I'm still not where I should be. I still have days. But I've just chosen to love people regardless. I've been very intentional lately of making sure I root for people even if I don't like those people. The way you win battles, hear me out here, 
The way you win battles is by loving people. Because people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And that's where the church has dropped the ball. The other day I pulled out and there was a street preacher out here. He was preaching. Pulled over in the parking lot and I rolled down my window. Boop. And I listened to him. Everything he said I agreed with. I didn't agree with how he was saying it. I don't know that I would stand on the street corner and call every woman walking by and tell her she's a whore and a slut and she's going to burn in hell and blah, blah, blah. That's not the way I would have said it. Whoremongers and abominations. He was using that King's English. Sit there and listen. Listen, he finally walked over. How's it going today? It's going great, blah, blah, blah. It is it? I mean, how many people have come over and talked to you? Not a one. So, well, what's great about it? Here's what was great about it. He got to feed his ego and stand on the street corner and act superior to other people. But he wasn't being effective. So I don't think you're being very effective. I was being real calm. The guy wanted to fight. I was not going to fight with him. Well, how would you go about doing it? I'd do it like I had the last 11 years. He didn't know who I was. What do you mean? I said, well, I used to live two blocks from here. I lived there for seven years, five years, or ever how many years. I said, I pastored that church down there for 11, and I said, we just loved on people. We fed those, and they need to hear the truth. I said, they do need to hear the truth. I said, but do you think they're hearing the truth from you right now? They have ears. I said, man, they're laughing at you. They're mocking you, and they're not listening to you. And I said, what's sad is you have more zeal and more work ethic than most people, but you're doing it in an ineffective way. You're doing it from a place of hate that you convinced yourself is love. So I asked him, I said, man, you got a wife? Now, my wife left me years ago. I said, surprise, surprise. What do you mean? I said, is that how you showed her love? He said, the problem is you keep doing what you've been doing and you're getting no result from it. That's the definition of insanity. And he pondered for a minute. I thought, man, I had that moment for a moment. You know that glimmer of hope that you're getting through? I'll pray for you, brother. And he walked away. <laughs> Went back to screaming and hollering. Drove by the next day, he was there again. You just don't get it. If he came down here and served this area, they might listen to him. And I know what some of you are saying. Yeah, but you've done that. All the ones that have taken advantage. It's okay. I'm not responsible for that. See, you choose to focus on the ones that take advantage. I choose to focus on the ones that have had their life changed. I choose to focus on the girl that sent a message to the Action Church page the other day who I, I don't remember. I pulled up. I looked at her Facebook picture. I looked at 10 Facebook pictures for the life of me can't remember her. Who told me, man, just want to tell you eight years ago, your, your church took me in and it gave me a place to stay when it was cold. And since that time, I've got my daughter back, and I have a career, and I just bought my first house, and I want to say thank you. That's who I choose to focus on. I don't even remember. But guess what? She remembers us. Because we loved her right where she was. Golly, I ain't even got to my first point today. I told you it was going to be long. I'm skipping ahead to everything. So how do we do this? Number one. Lower your expectation of others. <laughs> you know the problem with so many of you? Is you have expectations of other people when you really don't have a right to have any expectations. Who are you to put expectations on other people? Let me give you a reality check about humans. They're going to be humans. They're going to lie to you. They're going to betray you. They're not going to show up when they say they're going to show up. They're going to let you down. Why? Because they're humans. And guess what? You're going to do the same thing. You're going to let people down. You're going to hurt people. You're going to disappoint people. Here's the amazing thing. You know what I've learned out about humans? Humans do human things. If, if you don't start 
getting your expectations of other people in place, you're going to forever be disappointed. I try to keep the expectations as your pastor real, real low around here. Seriously. Because guess what? I do feel I'm called to pastor this church. And I do love you. And I do love this book. And I do love God. But I'm going to let you down. I'm going to do something to offend you. I'm going to do something to upset you. I'm going to do something that you don't like. And if you have the expectation that I'm not, you're going to be disappointed down the road. Lower your expectations. Allow humans to be humans. Man. Everyone's not going to love you. Not everyone is going to like you. People are going to hurt you. Look what Paul said about the end times. And then tell me you're surprised that people let you down. The end times, 2 Timothy says, people be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godly, denying its power. And you're shocked that someone didn't call you back? He told you what we're going to be. People are going to let you down. People are going to hurt you. Those closest to you will hurt you the most. Someone says, it's always those that are close to me that stab me in the back. That's the only people that can stab you in the back. You can't stab me in the back far away from me. If I lived my life with the people today, based on the people that hurt me yesterday, the people today would not be around. You can't live like that. You've got to lower your expectations. It's funny to me, Jesus was never shocked by the self-centeredness of people. He knew who they were. He did his life around those that were far from God and was never shocked by those people. Even when the disciples were posturing, hey God, who gets to be the right hand? Who gets to be? Right-hand man, the RHM God, who gets to be that? Me. He wasn't shocked. He knew how people were. Here was these men he taught and poured his life into and done life with every day, and now they're fighting with each other. Who gets to be on the right hand? One of them was Peter. I mean, the inner guy, the guy. Being self-centered, thinking it was all about him. God, I'll never deny you. Denied him three times. People will let you down. We need to learn to lower our expectations of people. Quit putting them up on a pedestal. Some of you have put people in your life up on a pedestal that should have never been on a pedestal. Who should have been on the pedestal? None of them. They're human. That's why I don't get shocked when big-time name people fall. I'm like, oh, wow, they're human. Lower your expectations. Realize that we are all sinful. The Bible says, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, there is none righteous. No, not one. None. None of us. We're all screwed up. When you accept that we're all screwed up, you just lower your expectations. What about when people have hurt you, Gary? They've hurt me. I'm okay with boundaries. I'll let Christine teach on boundaries one day. Boundaries are important. But I'm not shocked. I'm not disappointed. I'm not even surprised when humans do human things. So we're going to lower our expectations, number two, and we're done. We're going to raise your gratitude for God's grace. Lower your expectations of others and raise your gratitude for God's grace. How many of you say, Gary, I have never, ever, ever sinned in my life? You say, Gary, I've screwed up in life. I've messed up. I've hurt somebody. And yet God still loves you. And God sent his son to die for you. And God forgives you. 
the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence, gave his life for you. And I think we take that for granted. We don't deserve God's love, but he gives it to us. What if God treated us how we treat others? Oh, I don't like that. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that any man can boast. God didn't do what he did for you because you were good. Matter of fact, he did what he did for us because we were bad. We needed a God. I, I don't want to minimize hurts you have. But God's good. And when you begin to fully comprehend God's grace, how can you then not have grace for other people? But Gary, that will come across like I'm approving. Or will it just come across like you're loving? I love you in spite, because God looked down at me and said, in spite of that idiot down there, and all the stupid, 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 stupid stuff he does. I love him. Not only do I love him, I'm going to save him. Not only am I going to save that stupid idiot, Gary Lamb, I'm actually going to use him. Yet we don't hold other people to that same standard. I had a lot of issue with my parents for a long, long time where I put a wall up towards them. Christine used to tell me, you need to tear that wall down. I said, I don't, I don't need to tear anything down. And then people started passing away. My watch just found it on the web. What happens when you don't turn your wash off? A lot of people in my life started passing away. Christine's grandmother passed away, her grandfather passed away. Some other people I knew, I was just doing a lot of funerals. One day it hit me, my parents were going to pass away one day. And I'm mad at them for being human. Check it out. I was mad at them for how they responded to me when I was human. See the hypocrisy there? I was mad because they responded to me for being human. But I was mad at them for being human. They were mad at me because I didn't handle the situation right, but I was mad at them because they didn't handle the situation right. Stupid. And I began to show grace. I began to rebuild that relationship. I don't know that we'll ever be BFFs. I don't know that I ever want to be BFFs with them. But I honor them now. I make them a priority in my life now. I want my kids to grow up knowing them. I'm not going to hold them to some stupid standard. And I got that way by realizing how good God was to me. I can't do that in my flesh. I've just got to realize how good God is to me. I like the, I, I, wrap this up. I like the part in the Bible where the lady's about to get stoned for being a whore and all the guys are standing around her. And they're judging her and Jesus walks up. I said, you know what she did, blah, 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 blah. Jesus just gets down on his knee and starts writing his sand. No one knows what he wrote. But I always liked the theory that he started writing down all their sins. He said, hey, the first one of you without sin, cast the first stone. He, he told him, he said, cast the stone, baby. Do it. The Bible says one by one, they walked away. Who are we? God's been good to us. It's okay to be passionate about issues. I am passionate about issues. I just want to encourage you as Christ followers that in your passion over issues, you respond to your offense in love and not anger. Because here's the reality. If you're not too prideful to admit, your anger over those issues has gotten you nowhere. And the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting a different result. It's not working. You're not winning any arguments on social media. 
by attacking. Respond to offense with love and not anger. And we'll dig, we'll dig deeper into this in the coming weeks.